So I think our tendency is to want to relate most in this passage to Jesus, right? Our, our tendency is, is to want to relate most to like, what the heck is wrong with these people? That they couldn't believe in Jesus. But I think our tendency being that, and, and rightly so in, in many ways, I think at the same time we need to like put all that into context, right? Like, we're living 2,000 years after Jesus, and we have the benefit of knowing that he was crucified, that he died and was buried, but that he rose again, right? We have that benefit, that he rose from the dead, and we have 2,000 years worth of people believing and trusting in Jesus, and so like, it just sort of like, comes naturally for us to, to sort of relate to that. But I think I notice in my own life, I actually can relate more to the people of Nazareth than I can to the disciples. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us kind of fit into that category. Right? So like let's let's think about this for a minute. So the people of Nazareth at the time of Jesus, they were they were Jewish people waiting for the Messiah. Like they had like for, for the, the Jewish people, like the Messiah, the one who was promised from the prophets, was like the one who was regularly on their mind, if not always on their mind, and they were constantly waiting and longing for the Messiah to come because the Messiah, as, as it was promised, was gonna like come and save every, everybody, like save the day, like make everything better, like life was gonna be perfect with the Messiah. So these people were like constantly like on the lookout for, for this sort of mystical, almost magical being known as the Messiah. Right? And, and they, they loved it. Like, they're God's chosen people. And so, like, we've got this promise that no one else has. And everybody's going to know it once that promise is fulfilled. Right? They, they loved the, the idea, the, the reality even, but also just, like, the concept that they are God's chosen people. And then imagine, right? So, like, imagine you, you go to synagogue every Sabbath, every Saturday for the Jewish people, every week, and you're just like hearing the scriptures explained and you're hearing about the promised Messiah, and then suddenly some guy gets up who you've known since he was a kid. Like you know the circumstances surrounding his birth and how it's kind of scandalous, in fact. You see his mother all the time, right? Is this not the son of Mary? And suddenly he gets up as a 30-year-old and he says, here I am. And talking about how he's actually the Messiah. And you're like, no. I changed your diapers when you were a baby. I hear that all the time from my family. Right? Like, it's like this ridiculous thing. Like, no stinking way is it possible that you're the, like, you're not the one we've been waiting for. It's someone else. Like, it's, it's got to be someone else. And in fact, so this is, this is where I think, this is where I think we can really relate to them, right? Because, because of this. We, in the 21st century, we love, 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 love the idea of following Jesus. Right? Like, we say this all the time. Like, I love Jesus. I've given my whole life to him. I've, I, I, I'm a Catholic Christian my whole life, born and raised. You know, some of us maybe went to private Catholic school. Like, I love Jesus. 
But how many people do we know who say that? Perhaps, perhaps ourselves, and like I said, I know this is true in my own life. How many people do we know who say they love Jesus, but practically speaking, there's no sign that he has any importance in their life? Right? Like, we love the theory of following Jesus, but when it comes to practical things, sometimes that's a little harder. Let me give you a, a, a few examples. So, set Jesus aside for a minute. Not that we should ever actually set Jesus aside, but let's just set Jesus aside for a minute. And think of, think of this, like, we love in America the concept of, like, freedom. We love in America the concept of justice, of love, of, like, world peace. Like, I just, I love the idea that, that, that there could be justice in the world. I love the idea that, you know, like, what if, what if only all people could just love each other? And, you know, like, we all get along and there's this world peace, right? Like, we love the idea of that. But then, practically speaking, what happens when, when you or I are told that to love everyone means I actually, like, sometimes have to do stuff or say stuff to them that shows them honor? Like, what happens when, when you actually practically revealing that you love your spouse? What happens when that means, like, taking the trash out without having to be asked to do so? Gosh, it's so comfortable. What happens when, like, practically speaking, loving your spouse means, like, doing the dishes or waking up 10 minutes earlier to get the coffee ready so that when your spouse wakes up, there's a fresh pot of coffee? They're not doing that for me. It's not what love is. Right? Love, practically speaking, is choosing good for another. What happens when love means when your spouse or your brother or sister or your parents, whatever it is, when they're pushing all the right buttons to get you really riled up? And love means simply not complaining or not arguing with them. That's actually incredibly hard. I know that's true in my own life. Right? Like, we love theories and ideals and concepts. We love them. But practically speaking, when we actually have to carry them out, they're actually really hard. So just like the people of Nazareth, and not just the people of Nazareth for that matter, right? We know Jesus was rejected. He was accepted by a lot of people, but we also know he was rejected by a lot of people, right? Like they loved the theory, the concept, the ideal of a Messiah coming to save the day. But when Jesus began to preach and teach, sometimes even, even the ones who had begun to believe in him, when things got practical, they're like, must have the wrong guy. Right, like Jesus comes and he preaches a message of like living simply. He comes and he preaches a message of giving generously to others. He comes and he, he, he says things like, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. And how many times do we see people walk away? The rich young man who goes away sad after Jesus tells him, practically speaking, give away all you have and give it to the poor. 
How many of his disciples leave him when he says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you? How many of them are like, this is too hard of a teaching. We can't, we can't, we can't do this. Right? When Jesus gets practical, that's when we tend to get resistant. How many of us say that we love God and we love Jesus, but we never actually read the Word of God? Or we, we don't actually spend like a significant chunk of time in quiet, silent prayer each day, honoring Him and simply spending time with our Creator, spending time with the one who has saved us from the dominion of sin and hell. Right? This is where, brothers and sisters, I think, and I, like I said, this is true in my own life. I love the idea of following the great commandment to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. I love that idea. But then I know that I, I have a tendency to get wrapped up in my favorite show on Netflix or Amazon Prime. I know that I have tendencies to get addicted to video games or, or movies or whatever it is. I love the concept of, of loving my neighbor as myself, of, of like being the best neighbor possible to the people around me. But I, I know my tendencies, when things get practical, my tendency is just to be selfish and to do things for myself. My tendency is to be oppositional and to try to pick fights with people, sometimes for no good reason. And I have a really strong feeling that I'm not alone in these tendencies. And if you don't have these tendencies, I'm sure you have others as well. This is why I think we can relate more to the people who rejected Jesus sometimes than we can to the disciples of Jesus. Now the good news is this, as it always is, Jesus never gives up on us. As long as we are living and breathing and conscious, he never gives up on us. And so I think his invitation for each one of us this morning is to begin again and to sort of ask ourselves that question like am I a person who just simply and merely loves the idea of loving Jesus or am I a person who is actually loving him am I a person who when I come to worship God is sincere in my worship and and looking to direct all of my attention toward him or am I just kind of here to pay him lip service? Am I a person who, on the other days of the week, if I can't make it to Mass, am I a person who sincerely and authentically wants to grow in my relationship with him, and so I'm actually going to spend some time reading Scripture, even if I don't understand all of it? I'm going to actually spend some time reading Scripture, and then perhaps spending some time in silence to just reflect either on what I've read, or to reflect or invite Jesus into my life in a deeper way? Am I a person who's actually going to work for the kingdom of God by serving my neighbor, giving selflessly, simply so that they can know the love that I've experienced from God? Or am I going to be just a person who talks about the idea but doesn't actually carry it out? Now, this is the thing, you guys, like, this is hard, and I, I'm aware of that. I, like I said, I know this all too true in my own life. This is hard. 
But the beauty is that we actually have like the example of the saints, like St. Paul, right? St. Paul talks about this. I willingly boast of my weakness because it is in my weakness that I know that God's grace can be strong in me. Right? So if we're, if we're willing to get to a place where today we're willing to admit that, you know what, I'm not actually as good a Christian as I wish I was. I'm not actually, like, practically speaking, as good a Christian as I know God wants me to be. I'm weak. I'm fallen. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. Sometimes it just feels like I suck. If I can admit that, and in admitting that, and I say, but Jesus, I know that your grace is so powerful. I know that with you, I can do all things. If we can admit that, that is a beautiful step to take in our relationship with God. And then on top of that, we get to receive this beautiful gift because one of the, like, this is the thing, like, when we come to Mass, when we come to Mass on the weekends or sometimes even during the week, we have, we have Mass every day, when we come to Mass, our primary purpose is to offer worship to God because we owe it to Him. We owe God our worship. But one of the big points of receiving communion, the body and blood of Jesus and Holy Communion, one of the big points of that is so that Jesus' body and blood can begin to work more powerfully in my life when I receive it. So that when I go out into the world, I can know that I'm bringing my weakness, yes, but I'm also bringing the most powerful gift that I could ever bring, which is the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that can help me get to a place where I actually begin to look more and more and more like a disciple of Jesus. And less and less and less like a person who has rejected him. And so when you come forward this morning, I want you to be thinking of something. I want you to think of this. As you come forward for Holy Communion, consider an area in your life that would benefit in the most supreme way, that would benefit from being touched by God's grace. Whether it's an addiction you have, whether it's a tendency you have, whether it's a relationship that seems like it's really broken in your life, whatever it may be, something in your spiritual life, like you just can't seem to develop the habits of discipline of growing in prayer and studying scripture, whatever it is, think of an area in your life that would really benefit from being touched by God's grace. And when you receive the body and blood of Jesus, Holy Communion, Ask Jesus to touch that area. And then when you leave Mass this morning, act as though he has touched it. Because he has, and he will, and he will heal you if you have faith to believe. And so we ask the Lord to increase our faith. Jesus, come and be with us. Open our hearts, tear them open so that we may no longer rebel against you, but instead, that we may be open to receiving your grace so that our weakness can actually point to your power working within us. Amen.